Hello and welcome to another Care Home Management Magazine podcast. I'm Alan Rustad and today the subject under discussion is digital transformation. Digital affects us in our everyday lives these days and increasingly it's having a real bearing on the way that care homes are run and in the way residents receive their care. Today I'll be discussing this with three people from the digital world who provide services to the care home industry. They provide some very different services, but are very much part of a trend. They are John Anderton, who's the managing partner of Cambridge Telecom, James Maynard, the director of product marketing at the Access Group, and James Revel, who's director of contact solutions at Whistle. This podcast is kindly sponsored by Rotacloud, online software that makes managing your care team's rotors, timesheets, and annual leave easy. So let's get started. And as ever, we'll ease our way into it all by having each of you just uh, introduce yourselves and your organizations in about 45 seconds or so. So let's begin at the beginning. Uh, John, would you like to lead us off, please? Hi, Alan. Yes. So I'm John Anderson. I own Cambridge Telecom. Um, we started working all oh, 20 odd years ago in mobile and we've been working in the, in the care sector or with clients in the care sector for the last 16, 17 years. And obviously we've developed since then and rather than just providing mobile, predominantly now we're providing connectivity solutions, um, all different forms of voice and data and all the lovely stuff that makes everybody else's very wonderful products work. Sounds good to me. Uh, we've got two Jameses, so let me make sure that we get the right ones and we identify each other. James Maynard, first of all, would you like to just introduce yourself? Yeah, so James Maynard, Product Marketing Director at the Access Group within the Health Support and Care Division. Um, 25 years in digital technology, everything from innovating mobiles through to wearable technology and how we use that for, for good, but now part of the Access Group. Um, working with NHS trusts, local authorities and care providers. Great, thank you very much. And last but not least, James Revel from Whistle. Uh, yes, indeed. So I'm James Revel from Whistle, um, Director of Contact Solutions. So Whistle is uh, quite a, a company with a diverse lot of uh, products, like mail, parcels, um, door drop media, um, uh, third-party logistics. So I head up the contact solutions division so a business process outsource or a outsource customer service provider and we do actually work with uh, a number of uh, care home providers to offer their uh, solutions uh, for contact strategies and digital great well thanks very much indeed james i look forward to discussing all these elements with you in greater detail as we go through let's kick off with james maynard i think first of all from the access group because uh, i know one of the things you're very keen to discuss is how digital companies can leverage uh, innovation such as technology enabled care now that's something that's growing more and more in the care home m- market and with things like ai coming up over the horizon as well uh, do you find care home companies generally a bit slow on the uptake or, or is the message getting home now that that uh, technology enabled care is here it's today and can be used to good effect for me i think the um care providers in general um but but care homes as well um it's it's not a, a lack of ambition 
Um, it's always about how do you turn that ambition into action. And actually, there's there's various stages of it. And I think th- this difference between digitization and digitalization, I think, is a, is a key part for me, which is how do you begin to digitize the estate? Um, and initially, that's kind of mitigating the risks that sit around it, uh, et cetera, uh, before you can begin to then drive some efficiencies through having a, a truly digital estate that, that you can work from. But those are the, the kind of first two, two stages before you you then have this underlying digital platform that allows you to incubate innovation. Um, and getting to that point um, is, as I say, it's, it's how do you drive through that process? And it's a complicated process and there's, it's forever changing. So we're now beginning to see care providers really looking to, to utilize the latest innovations. They've, they've, they have digitized um, and they're beginning to digitalize their whole estates. Um, which means they can begin to drive greater value from the data that they've got, which ultimately is is where that technology-enabled care piece comes in. Because for me, technology-enabled care is something that will dynamically change the way in which we provide care um, in in the sector um, because it gives us that greater level of insight. It allows us to move towards that more preventative care um, a more intelligent care ultimately because it gives us that insight when when that carer is not in the home environment for whatever period of time if that's a intervention during the night within a care home or whether that's um, within a community care environment where actually there's there's limited time periods where a care carer is going into those homes so we're seeing more and more interest um, but I think it's it's very much still quite tactical in its approach. So it's still quite siloed rather than the holistic, how can all of these pieces come together to, to support various parts and various challenges that the providers have got? Yes, it's an interesting mix, isn't it? Because are you finding that it's the big care home groups who are taking this on board quicker than perhaps the individual care home, although the owner who's perhaps got two or three care homes, something like that? I think it's a balance, actually, and I think that depends on their um, their level of acceptance or, or progress towards digitalization. Um, I think that the smaller providers have the ability to turn it on quicker so they can run those proof of values much faster, deploy things out quicker, um, whereas the much larger providers if they were running a franchise-based model, they're, they're typically looking at a couple of franchises to, to test test the capability out, understand how it could be used. Um, but they very much are more looking towards, so how do I then begin to integrate that insight that I'm getting into other services and solutions that I've got in place? And also I notice that more and more, or at least just speaking to one or two care homeowners, there is now so much available out there in the marketplace from providers like your good selves they're not necessarily getting confused. What they're trying to do is is fit all the various pieces together. And there's there's a a slight worry, I think, about backing the wrong horse. Do you find some care homes and care providers are worried that, yes, we'll go with something you've got to offer, but will that work with something else that I bought 18 months ago? Yeah, and I think I think this is the um for me, this this always comes back to the overarching digital strategy, which is um, you can have those tactical um, individual solutions which will address a particular challenge or issue today. Um, but in order to deploy it in a more future-proof way, actually, it's about what's the longer-term digital strategy that organisation has, um, and then looking at the um, individual elements that they can deploy in order to get that. I think as we look to the future, it's it's about integration. So how do you not only integrate 
and deploy something like technology-enabled care, but it's how how do I then take that data and feed that into a care planning software that feeds into a care rostering software? Um, and it's that it's that holistic view that you can then get the insight that comes from those multiple products integrating together, which needs to be the direction of travel. And I think um, sometimes sitting in a technology company, you, there are assumptions that everybody knows how these things will come together in the future. And actually, I think it's it's on us to, to help guide and advise and consult and support from a digital perspective to ensure that providers understand what they get today and how that will work in the future. Yes, it's a big issue, isn't it? And let me widen it out and bring the others in. James Revel, first of all, you're, you're at Whistle, obviously a big logistics company. Does what James Maynard has had to say already, does that ring a bell with you? Indeed, that rollout on the on the, on the digital side, I think it, it's, there is a reflection there or, or, or truths on the uh, on the customer service or the contact side um, as well. And I appreciate that I think that a contact strategy within a care home environment probably isn't the biggest priority if you compare to what james has just said but there's probably that the the added value is perhaps more uh more uh, apparent there but i think that that's there are a lot of benefits to be gained from a consistent and coherent contact strategy as well not only like i mean basically you know that contact strategy, that first contact with the care home, effectively that sets the tone, uh, indeed, for reassurance, pro- professionalism. And that can be a little bit of a differentiator as well, ensuring that you're not being caught in a, in a contact loop, going down this uh, contact black hole that you'll never get out of. And we've all had our bad experiences with pro- various providers uh, in terms of not being able to resolve particular particular issues. So having the knowledge of how your customers or potential customers, and I call them customers in the broader sense, are actually interacting at a very early stage and throughout that customer journey it is actually vital. Now, I can fully appreciate that with the various needs of residents and families are very diverse and complex, that that is perhaps a Herculean task to perform. Um, but I think it, it can bring a, a lot of um, benefits in terms of efficiencies, providing that. Um, semblance of professionalism and credibility and also freeing up a lot of uh, care home staff to be able to focus on more value added um, uh, uh, tasks uh, and roles which really perhaps that if you know from a contact perspective if they are that front line that they are um, uh, fulfilling where and it's taking them away from other things that they should be doing Probably, you know, if you sorry, I'll, I'll sorry. come back to that again in, in, in just another in a minute because that, that's an important point. And I think, John, uh, nothing is probably more basic than telephony. Uh, that first phone call that may come in and uh, and, and broadband connections, all the rest of it. Uh, th- this must strike a chord with you, I'm sure. But, oh, yes, yeah, definitely. Um, I, I was just getting back to uh, to the question you, you threw at James Maynard, though, the, the, the worry about backing the wrong horse. Well, actually, that's where someone like the Access Group comes in. 
because you want to be you want to find a trusted supplier there are lots of products out there so you so you want to be picking up the phone to someone like james and going hi how do we do this how does it work how does it all, all fit together and you and you're using his experience and his knowledge to to facilitate what you require so yes and and from your experience john with with, with cambridge telecom we know things are changing and we'll come on to that in in due course but do you find that already um, the, the, the care home groups that you deal with, they're fully up to speed with all this? They know what's coming and um, are all ready to, to be able to deal? And uh, uh, Or do you, have to, do you have to refer them on uh, to James Maynard in some ways to, to get the bigger picture? I, I, would, I would love to say that, yes, they are. Everyone's, everyone's fully across um what they require but then you wouldn't need me on this on this podcast <laughs> um there are a lot of quite wonderful pr- products out there which will have an awful lot of economies of scale um free up staff to actually provide care rather than rather than doing admin but they all need to be able to work so when you've got products for nhs engagement or medication management or asset management our, our buildings are are linked and and you need to know what's happening with your heating system all of these all of these systems they need to be able to either talk to each other or talk or talk to the outside world and that all comes down to connectivity and basically broadband and there's been massive strides over the last 10, 15 years, and we're now looking at kind of the standard broadband as being 80 over 20, 80 megabits per second, uh, which is huge. For what a care home requires, though, it's tiny, and it will, in very short order, become unworkable and impractical. And at that point, that's where many, many care homes do fall down. They'll look at the broadband they've got. And, oh, actually, we've got two of these. It's brilliant. <laughs> and you go, yeah, great. But in six months' time or as soon as you roll out this, it won't work. And, the, and obviously, one, the, one of the big drivers, which, you, which we talked about the last time I was, I was on your podcast, was the, was the change to an IP phone system um, and the 2025 switch off. So, and we and we discussed how much how much better the new systems would be, how much how much more functionality you have. How, oh, they're absolutely brilliant! You're going to have to do it within two years anyway. So there, so there's that bit. And we said, oh yeah, they're and they're also they're more robust. Well, they are more robust, but only if you're broadband. Can, can yeah. with it. We'll come on to that in just a few minutes because I know that the broadband is a well, it's a subject close to my heart actually, because even in my domestic surroundings. But that's another story. But um, look, looking back at that again, James Maynard, um, you know the, the others have, have expressed opinions there. Technology enabled care is so is going to become more and more vital. Uh, who's leading this? Is it you guys going to talk to the the care providers, or do the care providers actually come and knock on your door and say help? It's a combination of the two, if I'm honest. So it, it depends how progressive they are as an organisation. We are we are demonstrating today what the future should or could look like through the deployment of technology-enabled care to those providers. Um, and I think it's... Uh, I'm always very conscious that... Um, I think John mentioned it, actually. It's, it's about making sure that we can always... Those care providers want to spend more time caring. Um, so it's always us being able to 
how do we demonstrate how technology-enabled care helps them do that? And the, the, the common challenge is always being staff retention, driving costs and efficiencies, or the, the ongoing challenges around compliance. Now, if technology-enabled care can help address some of those core challenges they're facing, allowing them to spend more time caring for the individuals that they have within their care, that's ultimately what, what they're looking to do. Um, and I think it's on, it's on us to demonstrate to them and ex- and and kind of go through how these things will allow them to do that um so i think that that's for us to do through events seminars podcasts etc um to almost make them aware these things are coming and the benefits of them and then work with them collaboratively to evaluate the what's there in the marketplace and how these things will come together and what the future potentially looks like it is interesting these days to see what is coming up because attending events like the Care Show, which is coming up uh, in the not too distant future, it used to be the case that you'd go to that and a lot of the trade stands there would be, I don't know, beds and various other hardware supplies to care homes. Nowadays, the number of digital stands and the digital offerings that are being uh, uh, put forward is is very marked. And uh, I'm sure that'll that'll be the case again this year. Let me come on to James Revel now and, uh, and Whistle, because um, you were mentioning just a bit earlier on about customer services teams and uh, the automated digital solutions available. I suppose yeah. Care homes have become much more um, digital in the way they do things. It used to be just a brochure being handed out and say, go away and look at that if that's where you want to uh, put your nearest and dearest. Nowadays, of course, they've all got websites and whatever. But how much further can they take this, do you think? Yeah, it, you, you can go a lot further. And I think there's this, there's this balance. I mean, we've got, I mean, AI is the hot topic if you go across industry at the moment. And we're at a point where suddenly, I mean, AI has been there for quite some time, but it's reached a point where now there are really concrete applications and things seem to be moving across exp- exponentially. Um, there's opportunities to integrate uh, AI at a very early stage in the context to provide information. Uh, available even answer on the website or even through that first point, uh, contact call um, or web chat, those particular kind of functionalities. The issue is whether the care home sector is ripe for those kind of interactions. I would put that down as a high emotional um, uh, impact from a, from a contact center perspective. It's not, doesn't, it's not necessarily transaction. Emotionally, there's a lot of things going on behind there. Are we trusting enough of AI at this stage to put all our eggs into into that basket? My recommendation would be for a hybrid approach um, and really looking at segmenting the kind of information that you're offering to make sure that you have a mixture of um, uh, automated AI and human touch points. But it's knowing where the switch off point is. And I think that's where customer service in the broader sense is currently at. Where is that switch off point? Where does AI end and human contact begin? And I think really those are the challenges now. And I I think the starting point is to put yourself in the shoes of your customer wanting to interact with your organization with your care home go through that customer journey look at those different touch points and say well firstly is information readily available how can that be approved what is the customer effort Uh, can i be bothered as an individual to go further um am i available are the humans available easily or am i hiding the numbers or the contact points um 
Are my opening hours enough? Can that be better served out of hours where I'm not physically there by an overflow team for an outsourced provider or through a digital solution? So it's asking a lot of those questions across those touch points um, to see how you as an individual would feel uh, interacting with your own organization. And I think that helps a lot to try to, 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 to come up with that strategy and that potential evolution and that rollout towards digital. Are you worried about some of the fears over AI? Because if you read the press generally every morning, like at government level, they're almost putting the fear of God into people, aren't they, in terms of how dangerous AI could be? And that must come down to the kind of people who you'd need to talk to who tend to be the, the sons and daughters of the people who need the care because it's it's people perhaps in their 50s who are now making decisions for their, their elderly relatives on what goes on. They're the people who are reading these press reports and saying, watch out for AI. It could uh, be a big detrimental effect on the world at large. Yeah, and I think here it's a fairly contained environment in terms of what we're using AI for. But what we are going to see, and I think there's other wider risks about AI replacing people and jobs as well. And I think... I think this is another evolution of what we've seen before with uh, websites. I mean, I went into customer service at the part where web sales came out. So why are you going into customer service? It's dead. Um, but it's not. It just means that the roles have um, evolved around the technology. And it will do with AI as well. And I think responsibly using AI, you will see that customer service roles in the past where the, They've been really taking 100% of the interaction that is going down, but you are there to support AI and ensuring that it's giving the right answers. You know, you're doing the checks uh, from a compliance perspective, very important, from the, the, the right answer, um, ethically, and also in terms of things like unconscious bias as well, which we are increasingly um, aware of within society. That's also, it can also be a pre- a present during AI. So those roles will change. So if you're a responsible organization and you do have the oversight of what's going in there, remember AI is only as good as what you put in. And I think that the, the closest that AI is like humans is because, and how it mimics us is if we don't, if it doesn't know, it makes it up. And humans have been doing that for thousands of years. <laughs> so I think that, um, we you don't have to have that oversight on there as well. So this is why now is the right time to look at how you can integrate that and what mechanisms, human mechanisms, you need behind the scenes to be able to support that. But on your wider point, it does need that consult- concerted and consistent legislative approach, which I don't think we currently have. So we're playing catch-up. We're moving into things where really there isn't the legislation there to support it properly. But that will come over time. Yes, I'm sure it will. And John, do you find, as far as uh, telecommunications is concerned, that care home providers are talking to you about AI? Are they scratching their heads at times and wondering what on earth is coming down the tracks? With AI, n- to me, no. But that was in, that's why it's interesting from my side, li- li- listening to James. Um, no, I'm sorry, but no. Right, well, that's interesting. Okay, how about you, James Maynard? What, what, what about at your end? Is AI coming across your desk more and more? I think so. I think it is, and I think, um, but I think that's an awareness piece as much as anything. There's there's an increased awareness about the capabilities of AI, and I don't think anyone's in any doubt that it adds value and can create um, efficiencies and and all the rest of it. I think I I, I concur with James. It's the legislative piece that's going to come in the future, and for me, it's it's always that balance between machine learning 
and and true AI. Um, and actually, through their levels of automation, whether that's robotic process automation, taking the robot from the human, et cetera, and, and replacing some of those tasks to drive efficiencies is one piece. And that really comes down to then what are you feeding into that machine learning piece to, to, to drive those, those greater efficiencies within the business? Um, but AI, it's... For me, it's it's a it's a bit like we we talked data lakes and big data in the past. It is a progressive thing that is coming, and there is such an awareness in the marketplace through things like ChatGPT, etc., that there are real benefits and value adds that can come from it. It's just how do we harness it in the right way to truly improve and support care providers? And it's another one of these digital technologies which. Unfortunately, I think it bamboozles the best of us as to what actually we're going to do with it. Um, so it's another thing that's dropped into the pot for these care providers as part of their digital strategy is, cool, I'm being asked by the board, what are we doing with AI? And I'm not even sure what I do with it on a personal level, never mind trying to implement it as a business tool with all the various risks that potentially sit around it. So I think it just it's one of those things that needs to bed in that we need to spend some time looking at it and really understanding how we can deploy it and utilize it in the right ways. And I know care homes will always come out and say, but we mustn't lose the human touch. We've got, you know, it's a it's a face-to-face business where we talk to residents, we talk to relatives, we talk to suppliers, whoever it may be. John, do you find that as far as telephony goes, that this this human touch is still as important as it ever was? Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that the whole point of telephony? Um, rather than just sending an email, people actually still like talking to each other. And as you as you get older, people like that even more what is what is going to change is 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 the nature of of how people do so it's um we're we're talking quite happily now on screens we can see each other in the past that would have been science fiction um in a few years time we'll be we'll be speaking to each other and looking at each other through full hd at that point you're then using up nine megabits per second on one conversation so there, purely from an infrastructure point of view, then in order to maintain that personal contact, um, which people do strive for, um, then we are going to have to beef up our, our systems. Okay, coming back to James Revel again, because uh, you outlined yeah. there all the elements that come can come into play. Uh, have you got gaps in the system yet? Because uh, you, you put forward a very uh, good case, but uh, from your offering to the care home sector and care generally, are there gaps that you still need to fill? Gaps from what perspective? From the human perspective or from a Yeah, from, from, I'm thinking from the human perspective, yes. <clears throat> yeah, I think post-COVID has thrown up a, a, um, a, a couple of interesting problems, and, and one is about um, the the higher cognitive level which is needed, I think, these days. You introduce more technology, that means that when you do have the human touch points, and I think care homes, you do need that. It is high point, and high uh, emotion, you need that human interaction there. And I think if we saw anything from COVID, when the, the, there's an issue or a problem, you can put in the automation, digitization, everything, people are going to be trying to get to speak to the human. No matter how you try to push them otherwise, they want that. And I think that the care homes are going to be like that for some time. So I don't want to over-egg AI or push everyone down an AI right where we're not sure yet. And also maybe it's not the right sector to be leading edge um, uh, with that. 
But um, what we see is now that from in those particular uh, sectors where there is that high human touch point, it's it's having the, the people with the skill sets um, and we want to make a career out of customer service to be able to interact with uh, with individuals. It's a very difficult job um, to, to, to be constantly having that high, high emotional conversations. I'm not saying that everything is emotional, but, but uh, having high turnover from a customer service perspective is perhaps one of the, the, the biggest enemies that the, the, the sector has got. So if you find a trusted partner that has low turnover, high tenure, and can provide those emo- the emotional intelligence that is required for those more sophisticated, higher cognitive power connections and communications and interactions, that, for me, is more important than anything AI can currently offer for the sector. That would be my big uh, uh, advice at the moment. And I see a lot of a lot of companies out there struggling at the moment to, 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 to being able to provide that level of quality contact from a customer service perspective. And they would probably say to you that, yes, the high turnover of staff that we have mean that we're always training up people, always trying to uh, to get them in, in, in the right course. But it's a it's a never ending job. Absolutely, it's 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 a it's a it's a it's a bad cycle. Once you're in there, you can have the best action plan to turn around things from a quality side perspective. But if you are constantly fighting against recruitment uh, uh, training, then then you're never going to get there. So it, it, it is a big enemy. So that they, obviously, um, that I think is is a higher um, priority currently than maybe uh, AI is. You're listening to the Care Home Management Magazine podcast. Is managing your care team's rotors, timesheets and annual leave eating into your workday? Is reliance on agency staff pushing up your wage bill? If it is, then you need RotorCloud. RotorCloud is the online platform that lets you plan rotors, record attendance and manage annual leave all in one place. It also makes it easy to find cover, letting you quickly notify your care staff when there's a shift that needs filling. It even lets them claim the shifts straight from their phones. Ready to reclaim your workday? Start your 30-day free trial by visiting rotacloud.com forward slash CHM and see how much easier managing your care team can be. Let's move on to John Anderton now and um, the life that you have at Cambridge Telecom, because I know we've spoken in the past about the, the shutdown uh, coming uh, our way in, uh, what is it, about 18 months now or not very much longer, I don't think. And Officially, it's the end of 2025. Right. So um, we've got a little bit longer before before we all go on to uh, over the, the broadband and the Internet. But broadband, I've got domestic broadband. Everybody has domestic broadband. Care homes have domestic broadband but surely that's not good enough for them is it no for many care homes actually for over the last 10 years it has been good enough because they've only ever needed it for um internet access for the office um sending the odd email or occasionally having having a zoom call and it's little difference to the broadband that, that we would have at home it's perfectly fine obviously We've we've done these before, and now and today speaking with James and James, there there are many many more products on the market, which are designed to 
provide economies of scale um, in order to remove certain arduous tasks from care home staff and make them automated or just or just to make sure that everyone's got the correct information at the correct time well these systems are brilliant but they're now going on to and they're being sat on top of the broadband system that used to run just run the office in a couple of years time on top of that we'll have all the all the voice traffic all, all of your phone calls will be going over the broadband system that used to just run the internet for the office you don't have to think too strongly to see that in a few years after that most people will be making video calls to their to their relatives that's all going to sit on the broadband service that used to just run the internet to to your office and at the end of the day it's just a pipe and it just comes down to how much Data can use stuff down it and drag out of it within a time scale that works. And if you think a a normal broadband would be 80 megabits per second, but if one video call is eight megabits per second and you've got a a hundred unit care home, you can see how things will start falling down. Um, So on one side, and, and and the conversations that we're having with with providers regularly is okay, right? So we we need a better broadband. How much better do we need it? Is always a question. And because because the industry and because the products you're going to be putting onto it are going to increase over the next few years, then you need something reasonably robust today. But you need to have the capacity to expand it tomorrow. Um, and is that there? At the moment, yes. Oh, crumbs, yes. So we are installing uh, circuits that can cope with a gigabit of data per second, which sounds huge. But actually, if you've got a big care home in a few years' time, you may have actually been maxing that out. We're, we're now able to install 10 gigs, 10 gig bearers. So um, one would hope that will that will suffice. And in, and for the for the foreseeable future, it, it will. So yes, the infrastructure is there. It is it's different infrastructure to to what we're used to at home. Um, and unfortunately, it's necessary. Um, we we are going to have to have to move down that move down that route. The the really really good thing though is that what it then enables us to do actually say saves the providers money it saves them time it it frees up their staff to actually provide care and to and to have that person person to person contact what i am finding is most there are very few providers who are actually considering what happens when it goes wrong because everything cloud-based now, I suppose you put your, your confidence in cloud-based solutions. Um, it can rain on a cloud every now and then, can't it? It can. Fortunately, they don't go down very often, but I'm sure at home we've all had our broadband crash occasionally. Or yep. thing, things go wrong. They they do. And what happens if, if it does? How do you cope? You have an always-on system whereby your care staff can always look at what medication the the people in flat the, the couple in flat twenty four require at nine o'clock on a Monday morning. You know that it's brilliant. It's there on your lovely tablet that you that you're carrying around with you. And then the Wi-Fi crashes. What should the you know what do you then do? So a lot of our conversations are 
are concerning the redundancy of, of systems. Do you have multiple circuits? You probably should. How are they rooted? And that's at that point people then do do kind of fall over because they think, oh, it's just the internet. It just goes out there. It's just in the cloud. It does, but there is an actual cable that goes to a box somewhere down the road. And from that box, it goes to a data center somewhere in the country. And if you have multiple circuits, but they all go to the same box and they all go to the data center, well, you now have pinch points. So trying to provide systems which are cost-effective, um, but do provide proper geographical redundancy um, as well as having problems on site and coping with that, that becomes more difficult and that and, and can be creative. And for and we have uh, various providers in beautiful parts of the country on the top of hills that look out over dales and and, think, and trying to get trying to get circuits which come one one from the east and one from the west is not always easy but um that tends that, that tends to be work where we get brought in we do have experience of that and let me come to the jameses on that do you in your working life james maynard first of all do you find that um people come to you and say i'm not sure my my broadband is going to stand up to all this that you're offering me um what, what do i do about that so I think there is always that question about connectivity. Um, and that there's also so many different levels of connectivity. It's interesting, isn't it? You've got with one side, they're hearing 5G. On another side, they're hearing narrowband IoT comments. Then they're talking about broadband and X number of gigabits and what do I actually need in order to run. And I think that's that comes again back to this actually where do we see it going? What do we think that is? And, and John makes really valid points and going actually – this is enough. The, what we've got capability of delivering today is enough to suffice for the foreseeable future, not forever, because it's just growing. And I think for me, there's a, I used to do quite a lot with data and this exponential data growth is is, is something that is just really an unknown thing. And, and that is that the amount of data in the world is doubling every three years. And a fact from a couple of years ago, but and a lot of that is my children creating TikTok videos, so it's irrelevant, but it's still a huge amount of data. So actually getting a handle on what you do with that and how you transfer it. And do you have to, to a hybrid cloud environment that you use as a business so that you can always fail over from, you never over overrun it beyond 50%. So you can always fail over from one cloud to another, et cetera. There's, there's those pieces. And I think that's where it requires the likes of ourselves to help guide and advise on some of those things. Um, and I, I just, one other point that made me think about when, when John was talking about is there are so many connected devices. Um, someone asked me just pre-Christmas, um, how many connected devices do you have in your home? And I started counting them up and I ended up at 51. And <laughs> and it's everything you buy connects in. It's whether it's your coffee machine that says I need to be descaled or whether it's your doorbell or your thermostats on your radiators they're all connecting in trying to draw and drive data in different ways so it's it's almost the unknown things that are connecting in as much as anything that we need to just highlight and ensure that they've got capacity in order to to run those things and what they want to do in the future yes it's an interesting 51 isn't it i must count up mine sometime i'm, I'm probably going to be horrified james rebel how about that yeah, James Revel, how about you? Are you finding that uh, some of the people you talk to say, we'd, we'd love to do this, but have, have we got the connectivity to do this? 
Yes, indeed. I mean, there is that. I mean, the great thing, I mean, I'm going to say this because I'm an outsourced service providers, give it to us and it's our problem. You know, that, that, that that's it in a nutshell. And, and and that keeps me up at night because it is, it is my problem. And making sure that you have the right disaster recovery plan. And basically it's, 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 you know, spreading the risk as well. So we're a multi-location centre. So if one goes down, then another one can pick up. Likewise, I think if you have a, a, a a multi-channel approach to contact, uh, even if you're keeping it in-house, rather than a single channel. So if your phones go down or email goes down, then web chat can come up or um, WhatsApp even or whatever. So at least it, it's, uh, I think that the ultimate goal, I would say, is, is omni-channel, which is that connectivity between all of those channels. So you've got that consistency and if you've got that continuity of service there as well, which I think is a is a real boon, uh, even if you're keeping it in-house or, or outsourcing, you've got that single view of customer. So, you know, all of these things can be done to, you know, spread the risk, not put all your eggs into one basket. And I think, yes, indeed, inevitably something's going to happen. Something can go wrong. It will. You just have to have the right disaster recovery plan in place to be able to cope with that. Yes, I'm sure. Now, you're all outsourcers in one way or another. So it's a fair point to put this to all of you in the last few minutes that we've got. Looking to the future. We always try to look to the future, of course. Uh, and in technology, heaven knows it's it's not an easy one to predict. But if you can dust off your, your, uh, your wonderful uh, orbs and tell us what you think is going to come in the near future. Beginning with you, James, what do you think the future holds as far as you're concerned at the access group how is this going to shake up say over the next five years i think really for me it's it's that interconnectivity so i think what we will begin to see is um greater levels of integration between our social and healthcare so it's still it's been a long-term goal to get integration between those different records common data models underlying platforms that allow you to pull all of that data together effectively and then service it and, and, and surface that in the right places at the right time to allow these different insights to be gathered and that I know that data and platforms is not necessarily the most exciting thing, <clears throat> but they're really the the things that will enable us. That data is is where that insight, that actionable insight, will come from for providers to then act on and use effectively. So I think very much it's a continuation towards those common data models, pulling those together and then allowing you to surface data from multiple solutions. And it's that hyperconnectivity of different solutions coming together which will allow you to have greater levels of analytics insight and that's where ai then begins to play a role because it's pulling all of those different things together to surface you the insights you need that will allow you to have more time to care um, and help you address some of the other challenges that that care providers today face yes more time to care i'm sure that they'd all say aye to that how about you john your, your next five years what are you going to be uh considering i think for most people in the country we'll, we'll start getting we'll, we'll start getting more used to to using multiple devices just do everything that we need so um it's it's still it's still a novelty for many people that they can make make a landline call on their mobile and it has their 01223 number on it that will become normal it'll become people think it's normal to have a video call on their laptop on their mobile people think it's normal to be able to access different different systems of data whether they're in the office or whether they're in a residence room or whether they're out on a road in between different different care homes 
um, and we'll get used to functioning in in that way and having as as James mentioned using a, an omni-channel bit and we won't even notice the differences we'll we'll connect in various different ways um, and we'll just assume that that's normal and that's and in 10 years time that's how everyone will have, oh, surely that's how we've always done it and James Revel, do you say aye to that? Is that going to be how Whistle develops over the next five years and what it has to offer? Quite ironically, while James and John were talking, it came up with a message on my screen saying that my broadband connection was unstable. So um, <laughs> and I didn't, didn't have a proper disaster recovery plan in place. <laughs> um, yes, absolutely. And I, I think it's technology is moving at a very high pace. And I think it's it's time to catch up, as we said before, is that... and coming to terms with how we integrate or the human and the digital into a customer service offering. What is the sweet spot? And the sweet spot is different from one industry to another. And I would say for care homes, it is very much pushed towards towards the human powered by digital rather than that being uh, the, the other way around. I am very interested, obviously, in how technology uh, develops, but also something something for me as well I think might be interesting to keep an eye on because I think it's been slightly mocked for the last couple of years, but maybe a bit of a game changer next year is how the metaverse uh, comes in, how we interact through uh, virtual and um, augmented reality and how that can help in customer service. Because if anyone has actually tried that at its very nascent stage now, there is the possibility for things from a customer service perspective to be more personal, less impersonal. You are virtual by the very nature of what you're doing, but there is this feeling of being closer to how you interact with an organization, virtual tours of care homes, uh, making that more realistic. So without, with, without, with, so you do have a certain amount of contact, which is, more real, but you are still virtual rather than what we're seeing at the moment with the platform that we're using. It's quite impersonal. So I think that's something to keep an eye on. I think that's a little bit further on than five years down the line. And that's, I'm afraid, all we've got time for today. My thanks go to John Anderton of Cambridge Telecom, James Maynard, Director at the Access Group, and James Revel from Whistle. This has been the Care Home Management Magazine podcast on digital transformation, kindly sponsored by Rotacloud online software that makes managing your team's rotors, timesheets, and annual leave easy. I hope you've enjoyed this particular discussion. We've got more of them lined up, as you would expect. So I hope you'll join us again soon. But for now, goodbye. Goodbye.